The views expressed in this presentation are expressly those of the presenter and do not reflect the official policy or position of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or United States government. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are back with some debt for legends. You guys asked for it. We got it for you. You had to go out there into the depths of the abyss and bring some of these folks back. And now we got to ask them what their experience was. And I'm sure they have no problem explaining what the deal is, where they've been, where they're going, uh, be able to relate to you guys on some uh, multiple levels. So... Without further ado, they don't need no introduction, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce them anyway because they are so legendary from Detvor. Uh, these two are literally the dynamic duo. They can outdo Darth Vader in his voices when you guys go through there. You are in the abyss when they are talking, and they are dropping that knowledge on you, make you uh, want to listen up. So first up, we have recently commissioned from a Detvor. Uh Took a while to get him across the water, but as soon uh, we had to verify that he was as healthier, he was healthier than the horse that was actually evaluating him for medical background. All right. So he served in various positions in the and in, in debt four in the cadet wing, but most importantly as a chief advisor and worked next to me as a recruiting officer. We got Lieutenant Alexander London. What's Say what's going up on, to everybody? Yeah. Hope everybody's right. doing amazing out there. Yeah, man. All right, Big Diesel. All right, and then we have live from Florida, the Mr. Green to Blue experience himself, also serving as uh, served as an advisor uh, to the cadet wing, was IG, amongst a bunch of other things that he uh, did. Uh, but again, we uh, we loved him as an advisor because he had just so much knowledge between Army and Air Force and just life in general. We got, uh, of course, Lieutenant Dennis Mitchell in the building. Hey, happy to be here, y'all. What's going on? Man, not much, man. So how y'all been out there? Everything good to go? How's it been? How's it going? It's pretty good over here, you know, chilling, uh, happy to be back on active duty and, uh, you know, make an impact. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm having fun over here, uh, enjoying my time and uh, happy to be here. Talk to you guys about that. All right, cool. That's what's up. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely same uh, as Mitchell was saying. Um, I haven't been out here for that long. Only about a month or so now, but um, definitely having a good time so far. A lot's a lot's changed, and um, it's good to be on this side. Ah, right, cool. So y'all both out there in Florida? Um, uh, I'm, I'm out here in Florida. Alabama. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, because they, they they rerouted you, right, London? They rerouted you, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's crazy. But y'all are close. That's not that's that's pretty doggone close. All right, cool. So, Wade, what's on your mind, man? You got anything for the for the folks before we jump into the into the main part of the questions that the folks want to know? Well, these are the guys right here, you know. As I've talked about in previous episodes, when I was talking about, oh, I'm the, the five year, the lonely five year that's hanging hanging around, watching the debt, you know, spinning circles while all my buddies get to go off and do good things and have fun. You know, these are the cats I'm talking about. So, you know, it's just general questions on what's it like? How does it feel to be out, 
what what are some of the biggest you know they call it being an LT learning time. What are some of the biggest learning time experiences that you've had? What are the funds and what are the struggles? You want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Um, so I mean, being an LT is a uh, is cool. Um, it's I guess for for us, it's a little different. You know, being prior, um, it's kind of like starting over in, in a way. Um, going through training, right? Being like like where I am, the most junior officer. Uh, it does come with the struggles, but it also comes with its benefits. Uh, I've enjoyed it so far. Um, I've been given a lot of different opportunities to uh, expand my knowledge uh, in my career field and other career fields uh, and make an impact. So I, I definitely do appreciate that. Um, but, you know, just like any other second lieutenant, you're gonna deal with your struggles. And, and sometimes that's, you know, having a great idea or, you know, maybe wanting to do something and, you know, having to go back and forth with your leadership a little bit saying, hey, you know, this is a good idea. But then they look at you and, you know, you've only been in for six months. What what could you know, right? Or or, or what yeah. can you do? Uh, sometimes you just got to fight against that. But uh, typically yeah. you can solve that by, you know, just how you uh, handle yourself and, and, and go about yourself and say, you know, hey, I, I may be new, but I got a lot of great ideas and I got to, I got a way to show it all, right? So uh, listen to me, pay attention to me, and, uh, you know, I can make a, make a difference here, so. Mm -hmm. And that's some of the things we remember about you. You were one of those credible and, and smart, educated guy. And speaking on that, you're AFSC 62E, right, engineer. So I guess one of the other questions I have for you is kind of talk about the experience going through it to give some of our five-year cadets who may be doing STEM degrees a little motivation. Is, is the light there at the end of the tunnel? Is it all worth it? What is the opportunities looking like? We were talking a little about um, your post-undergraduate education. You know, what are these opportunities and doors that are coming at you now? How are they, how are they treating you? Uh, yeah, so I'll talk about the STEM degrees real quick. Uh, Anybody who is, you know, pursuing a STEM degree as a, as a cadet in uh, Air Force ROTC or really any ROTC, you know, program for that matter, um, the reason why the military, you know, wants you so bad is because that's really the direction that the military is going. Uh, you know, in my current job right now, I work uh, future weapons. And so because I work in future weapons, we, we have to know what kind of technological advances are actually taking place. And in order for you to understand that, you probably want a STEM degree so you can talk to a lot of different stuff. Um, so the Air Force wants you by far to have a, a STEM degree in just about anything. Um, STEM degrees, as most people know, are real wide. You don't have to go and be an engineer or you know get a mathematics degree. It can be anything. But what a STEM degree actually uh, teaches you to understand is how to analytically look at data, right, and understand it and know how to apply it. So, you know, maybe you're a biology major and uh, you commission, you know, as some technical degree or technical career field. Uh, maybe it's not up your line, but you know how to look at things, you know how to analyze things um, and you know how to solve problems. So that's, to me, what the Air Force tries to take away from STEM degrees. Um, as far as, you know, being a 62E, a developmental engineer, the Air Force is really moving towards modernization, right? So you look at a lot of things that we have out there, um, like the weapon platforms, right? Like the A-10. How long has the A-10 been around, 
a while, right? We got to find something new that's going to replace the A10. Uh, how do you do that? Well, we need, you know, engineers and scientists and acquisition professionals to come in here and find out what's the latest, greatest thing that, you know, some of our defense industry partners can do for us. Um, but that all goes back into promoting STEM degrees at the AFROTI level and saying, hey, this is what we need. Here's here's the here's the why, right? Uh, and then take it yeah. and run with it. Oh, yeah, that sounds phenomenal. But I mean, a STEM degree isn't end all be all right. Um, Alex, you've got a little bit of experience on that. Tell us pilot select HTN. Talk about that. I mean, that's pretty prestigious and you you are going to have a lot of fun right up your alley. What's that been yeah, like? No. What's the TCS been like? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think as far as um, culture, um, I mean, like I said, I haven't really been out here for too long um, yet, but I've definitely already had a big culture shock. And that just comes with me um, working out of an army base. Uh, so I feel like I kind of switched lives a little bit with younger Mitchell um, as he was prior army. Um, and honestly, there's probably about like 60 Air Force personnel or so. And the rest, everybody is just, we're just hanging around warrant officers and army officers and a lot of like international um, squadrons and things like that. So that's, that's been the biggest culture shock. Um, and I'm definitely, definitely excited about it because I'm getting to make a lot of uh, cool connections on the army side and a lot of stuff, a lot of goals that I have um, for my military career line up um, with a lot of those network connections and things like that. Um, but definitely, definitely excited about it. Um, I come from a, it's a little bit of a different background than Mitchell. Um, he was talking a little bit about the STEM degrees. Um, I come from a, a business degree, so I had an undergrad in international business, um, taking that, uh, doing my master's now, uh, doing my MBA at Baylor. Um, so just kind of trying to get that out the way right now and really focusing on that. Um, that way when it times, when it, when it comes time for career progression and things like that, it gets accelerated a little bit. Um, yeah, but definitely, exactly. definitely excited right now. Houston. Yeah, no, definitely. Nice. Yeah. And then just for the audience, can you talk a little bit about the program that you got selected for and what you're looking, looking forward to in the next, you know, upcoming months when you go and you do your uh, training? Yeah. So the program that I got selected for was um, HTN or otherwise helicopter training next. Uh, a lot of a lot has been changing about the program. Um, recently, recently, a lot of selectees would go out to a, a city out in Texas and they would do their initial flight training uh, where they would learn how to fly a smaller level helicopters. And that, that would be your introduction training. Um, now they're in the process of moving that out to um, Alabama where I'm at now. So we're getting a lot of the people that would just end up coming here and then they stay here for the initial phase. And then they also stay here for the, for the UPT phase. Um, so everything is going to be getting knocked out here, but pretty much with the program, when you volunteer for the program, um, you volunteer to go into uh, basically three routes, uh, upon graduation from helicopter training. So you'll go the route of a Huey, um, where a lot of their mission is flying around uh, nuclear bases and uh, escorting VIPs and things like that. Um, or you can fly the Osprey, or you can go the route uh, for the HH-60s. 
And a lot of cool stuff is happening with the HH60s, as I'm sure even Mitchell would be able to expand on uh, since he's over there uh, by Hurlburt um, with their new uh, platform with the whiskey and everything like that. But a lot of cool, exciting stuff. Um, so you get the opportunity to fly any three of those aircraft. Um, a lot of it is just racked and stacked, kind of how how uh, Air Force ROTC is. So there's a big, mm. um, you really got to bust your butt if you want to get what you want. There you go. We know you got it in you. That was just like the general ones I had. Cam Sledge, I know you had a few prep for them. Do you want to take the next one? You guys started already started deep diving and everything else like that. So, um, but a lot of people, you know, a lot of cadets up in the cadet wing, debt four, they already know you. But there's some people who don't know y'all because, you know, they came in uh, when y'all were leaving. Y'all might have been passing through, but they don't even know to even look at y'all and, and realize that there's greatness in the hallway. So... Uh, let's start with uh, Cadet London or Lieutenant London now, because that's what's burning in my mind right now. And then if Pierre uh, Sutton was here, Sergeant London, Sergeant London. So uh, let's start with Lieutenant London with the first, with the icebreaker. Uh, so like I said, most people already know you. Uh, some folks don't know you because, you, uh, you know, they're new. So uh, Lieutenant London, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself by stating who you are, uh, your relationship with ROTC Debt 4, and uh, your current job in the uh, Air Force. Yeah, thanks, Captain Sledge. Um, so I'm Lieutenant London. Um, I ended up originally out in Las Vegas because I was, I was stationed as an airman at uh, Nellis Air Force Base as a munition systems troop. Um, so I did my, my four years um, separated from uh, active duty and then transitioned into Air Force ROTC at UNLV uh, with Debt 4. Um, and with, with them, um, I pretty much, I, w- I wanted to go along the path, um, to get me either a pilot job, a CISO or a TACP. Um, and that was, that was like my mindset when I first joined the program. Um, so I picked up, uh, Cadre helped me out along my path. Um, and I was able to get everything to work out for me, uh, with their help. Um, so I graduated from uh, UNLV back in December 2022, and then I know Captain Sledge mentioned it a little bit. Um, I had a little bit of delay uh, with my commissioning, so I commissioned uh, technically last or this September. So I've been commissioned for about a month now. Um, recently, I came out here to Alabama, a part of the Helicopter Training Next program, and I've been out here since, and pretty much my whole... My job right now is just as a, a student pilot. Um, so right now I'm just waiting on a training to start and I'm doing everything in my power to uh, get prepared for that um, and gain as much knowledge as I possibly can to help um, be successful. Okay, cool, wonderful, wonderful. So now that they got you guys kind of uh, oriented, they got to know who you guys are. Um so I'm ready to deep dive into some some stuff that that maybe uh, they are identified with or they can identify with. Um, and I hope you guys we're going to take you guys back way back, back in the time. You know, we're about to do all that. So with that uh, next question, here it is. So uh, we'll start with uh, Lieutenant Mitchell here. So looking back at your experience, what were some of the pressures that you dealt with while trying to accomplish your ultimate goals at ROTC? So, for example, family, kids. Uh, guard duty, all that stuff, like reserve duty. 
Uh, what were some of the, the higher pressured gravity, uh, you know, items that you had to deal with while trying to uh, transition as a, a as a CGO? Um, you know, during Afrati, uh, there was a few things that I had to deal with. Um, uh, first and foremost, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad. I actually have three little girls uh, and they were all, you know, relatively young, uh, five, three and two during my time at uh, Afrati. So uh, just trying to strike a balance between. Uh, you know, being a dad, uh, being a cadet, um, and then also being a reservist uh, during the time of ROTC. Uh, won't lie to you, it was pretty stressful. Um, I think it was just really about uh, more so how you dealt with it. Um, on, and that kind of influenced how stressful it actually was. So, um, you know, there was a number of things that I that I did to try to uh, to take better control of what I was actually dealing with, um, like making sure saying, Hey, you know, tonight I'm going to make sure that I do homework for two hours. Right. And then right after I do homework for two hours, let me make sure I go spend some time, some time with my kids, right. Whether it be 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it may be, uh, just making sure that I'm addressing all these different facets of my life, uh, in an appropriate manner, right. Not neglecting one for the other and so on and so forth. Um, that was probably, I would say, the, the biggest pressure that I had to deal with for Afrodsi. Uh, I know that a lot of cadets don't have kids uh, and a lot of cadets aren't married. But for those that do have kids or are married, right, those are some things that you're probably fighting with right now. Uh, best advice I can give to you is to power through, right, and to just try to do your best. Uh, try to spread the wealth as best as you can. Uh, it's going to be difficult, no doubt about it. Um, but it'll be worth it in the end, right? When you finally do uh, put on that butter bar that me and Cadet London chased, you know, so much for so long, uh, one is so bad, right? It, it will be worth it at the end of it. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my biggest thing. Uh, from a reserves perspective, a military perspective, uh, my unit was very understanding of uh, what goals I wanted and how I wanted to commission. So they actually supported that a lot. Um, my reservist unit worked with me time and time again to make sure that you know, I was taken care of at the unit um, and that I also was supported uh, for trying to chase Afrod C. Uh, it never was a, a thing like saying, oh, you you want a commission, uh, you're going to be leaving the unit, things like that. They they supported my ambition um, and, and gave me everything that I asked for. So nothing, nothing but kudos to them. Um, so I would say um, so pretty much like the whole process and things like that, um, like milestones in it. A lot of the stuff, um, I would say cadre is definitely going to, you know, they're not just going to leave you hanging. They're definitely going to have your back with a lot of things, um, especially with um, new new accessions and things like that. People that haven't been prior enlisted, um, they're going to do their extra due diligence on you and make sure that you're all set up. Um, but a lot of stuff, you know, you kind of mentioned uh, making sure your finances are set up. Um, I would definitely recommend you have a couple months if possible of savings set up um, just because a lot of times you'll deal with uh, problems with finance once you get to your new base. Um, so you definitely want to have a savings to fall back on. Um, I've seen that happen a lot of times and it's actually something that I'm dealing with right now. Um, so I would say um, just making sure you're financially stable enough for a big move because that's a big step in life, you know, uh, especially if you end up moving across across the United States or anything like that. Um, I'll say another thing that you mentioned was uh, TMO. Um, that's another big process. I think Mitchell might be able to 
hit on this a little bit more? Because I know you dealt with a lot of TMO. Uh, yeah, so um, when I when I uh, EAD'd, right, um, I have a family, right? So I had I had a full household worth of stuff. And uh, for TMO, there's, there's a number of things that they can do for you. Um, you have a lot of different options for like moving all your stuff, right? You can do, um, you can do a household goods move, right? So you can, you can have people come in and pack up your stuff and they'll ship it over to wherever you're going and they'll basically take care of it for you, right? It's, it's no cost, uh, they do it for you. Um, that's always an option and sometimes that's an easier option. Uh, a different option though that you can do, and I know a lot of people who do this, um, is either a Diddy move or a partial Diddy move. And so this is the option that I actually went with. And this is where you move uh, either some of your stuff on your own and then have, you know, the military move uh, the remaining things that you don't necessarily want to take with you, or you completely move everything on your own. Uh, for me, when I EAD'd, I completely moved everything that I, that I owned. Um, I have a truck and I have a trailer. So I loaded up my trailer and I drove across country from Las Vegas to Florida. Um, the benefits of that is that you have your stuff, right? You're, you're in control of everything that you own. Um, you just got to move it, right? So you got to figure out how that looks, whether it be a U-Haul or a trailer or anything like that. Um, there's also a, a, a financial uh, incentive to actually doing that. So uh, when I moved across country, um, I, I'm pretty sure uh, I was paid somewhere around a dollar, a dollar 25 per pound of stuff that I had, right? And um, because I drove so far of a, dif uh, of a distance, uh, I actually made quite a bit of money moving my stuff. Um, now, some of that was offset, you know, in terms of like how much you paid for gas and, and hotel rooms and all these different things, but uh, you can actually make quite a bit of money. Um, most people do some form of a Diddy move, right? If you end up driving across the country and you put anything in your car, uh, you go and wear your car and you get paid for, you know, whatever you're actually bringing. So if it's 60 pounds worth of clothes or, you know, you bring a laptop and some weights, whatever it may be, you should be able to get paid for that. Um, but TMO, uh, I would absolutely contact them as soon as you get your EAD orders, honestly, probably right beforehand, uh, too. So that way you can make sure that, you know, you're set up in the system uh, for them to either come get your stuff or to do a Diddy move. Uh, they typically are pretty helpful, especially with people who are, you know, just entering active duty because they know that you don't really know much. Uh, so they can they can help you out. Uh, and then I would also read up on the AFI. Um, go read some of the things that you're entitled to. Um, I know a lot of cadets miss a lot of different things that they are they just don't know exist out there. Um, but there's several things that you are entitled to and, and they will help you uh, from a financial perspective. Okay. I want to add like one more thing. Um, one thing that I definitely recommend, um, because I've noticed that a lot of times it doesn't happen, especially from uh, like the other LTs that I've talked to from other schools and things like that. Um, for the cadets that are about to commission and graduate, uh, once you get your orders, please like reach out to your unit um, and try to get, do your best to get a sponsor and make contact with somebody because a lot of times um, you need to be the one that goes out there uh, to do that and does that. Um, a lot of times they're not going to be the ones reaching out to you. you. If you want information, you need to go out and get it. Don't just, don't just be just laying back um, expecting for somebody to reach out to you. Um, so make contact with your unit, uh, get a sponsor you know, even 
even if it's just to get advice, like, you know, good, good places, um, to get an apartment, to get a house, um, um, you know, tips around the base, the area, um, who to contact for finance, um, how you're going to in process, um, what building are you going to in process, you know, all, all things like that. A lot of times the units are incredibly busy and they have a lot of, um, new LTs coming in and things like that, depending on where you end up going. Um, so definitely that's another thing that I would 100% recommend that uh, new commissionees uh, do. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. All right, cool. So, um, shifting gears here, kind of going back into the, uh, into the portal. All right. So my next question is for you guys. Um, here, here's the, like, kind of the background as, 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 as cadre, we are pretty much the primary human resource managers, of of the cadet wing and, and, you know, air force ROTC. So, um, of course we get a bunch of stuff that comes through our office and it's just, man, we, do we even have the bandwidth or the capability of even dealing with this? How is this even a thing? How are we even supposed to be handling this? And usually it's not anything like super, like gravitational something that's that we gotta solve right it's nothing like that it's just drama right it's just drama it's just something that we just don't need but somehow it has manifested itself so for you all let's start with uh uh lieutenant mitchell here so looking back at your experience um what was some of one of the craziest things that you saw at rotc uh that we that you just did not have the bandwidth for but somehow we had to deal with it because we weren't getting any traction on it. We just had to deal with it. Uh, if you can recall, what was probably one of the experiences that you had while you were in there? Um, yeah, so I, I won't dive down into any specifics, uh, but, you know, being IG the last semester I was there, um, the biggest issue that I saw and that was just, you know, at times really overwhelming to deal with was um, the relationships between everybody, right? Um, I like to think of ROTC as, as just a bunch of people just stuck in a room together all day, every day, right? And sometimes you guys are going to step on each other's toes and, and upset each other. Um, it, it's tough to deal with, right? Um, these are your brothers and sisters who all have the same goal and, and all want to do the same thing. Uh, and yet some way, somehow, relationships, they can be rough. Uh, you see friendships kind of break down. Uh, personal relationships with boyfriends and girlfriends break down. Uh, sometimes there's even animosity that makes it into the training environment. Uh, those things suck, right? Um, and we don't always have the bandwidth to actually deal with it, as you said. Um, and so some of it lingers on, like during league lab or during PT or, or so on and so forth. As an IG, uh, I, I was exposed to quite a bit of that. Um, and I would say that I tried my best to try to rectify a lot of the issues um, between people, between groups, between cliques, whatever it is that you want to want to call it. Um, just trying to rectify that. Um, where we don't have enough bandwidth for, um, I I really felt like uh, the detachment would have benefited from some form of relationship training, right? Because to me, that is that is one of the biggest things that you're going to have to deal with as a CGO is. Um, managing people uh, and, and how they interact with each other, uh, how you interact with your peers and then how you interact with your leadership. So um, that's something that I would have hoped that ROTC uh, could have provided more of. Uh, and then, you know, maybe it can um, uh, still, you know, I, I'm sure that issues like that still exist. 
Um, and it's not something that you can really shy away from. You're, you're going to still have to deal with it, but how you deal with it could change. Um, so that, that would be my craziest thing that I saw. Cool. And then, uh, yeah, appreciate that you, you threw out the experience and you threw out something that we can do in order to, to fix it and change it and, and make it better for the future. That might be something we'd be able to take back and say, Hey, look, we got to talk about how we deal with these relationships. And we're not necessarily talking about romantic. We talk, we're talking about mutual, uh, again, you might not even get along with somebody, but you got to deal with them. We can't pick this all-star cast that we get to work with every single day. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, being aware of that, you know, of relationships and, and the different kinds and how to, how to maintain them, um, even if it's just on a professional level only, is, is very important, especially during this four or five-year interview that, that, that is Air Force ROTC. So I think that's a, a really good point that you brought up. Uh, Lieutenant London, same question for you. And of course, uh, what solutions uh, would you uh, want us to bring back to the debt to uh, kind of help them out? Yeah, no, I think uh, Lieutenant Mitchell uh, really nailed that on the head. Um, a lot of the things that I saw were just dealing with and, and at the same time, it's also what makes um, ROTC so, so exciting, you know, and, and makes, it makes people grow so much is because, is because of these dynamics. Um, so it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Um, a, lot of, a lot of crazy things that I saw were uh, during my time as flight commander. Um, and I felt like, you know, as, as a flight commander and as a mentor, you want to help, help them as much as possible. And a lot of times, you know, that means taking a lot of, you know, your people's issues head on with them, right? Um, that just comes with the job, whether it be um, stuff that's going on with their home life, with their family, um, with school, um, it could be absolutely anything. And kind of how Lieutenant Mitchell said, um, it's really just the relationship dynamics. Um, that's probably going to be, well, at least that's probably the craziest thing that I saw um, during my program. And it's not just one specific thing. Um, it's just a huge, huge amalgamation of just absolutely anything that could happen because of just poor dynamics and everything like that. Um, but I, w- I would definitely say um, something that could help is just leadership training, um, which I think ROTC does a great job of doing it. Um, and also just more, more emphasis on uh, I guess like feedback sessions and one-on-one time uh, with cadets and things like that to really understand um, how everybody ticks because, you know, people are coming from all kinds of different backgrounds, especially, you know, V it's so diverse, um, all different backgrounds, all different majors, all different hobbies and things like that. People are going to butt heads. Um, there's type A personalities, type B personalities. Um, so the more, the more one-on-one time we get with everybody and, um, the more leadership training that we get with everybody, uh, the better that we can understand each other and just kind of get a better idea of how to handle situations. I'd like to just add something on real quick too. Um, yeah, of course. I, the, the main thing that I, I want to give to you guys though right now, and I'm pretty sure, you know, Cadet London is going to, is going to see this, you know, especially in his new unit and the units that he moves forward with is that a, a lot of this actually doesn't go away. Right. You just you just handle it a lot better, and you also have additional resources. And this is kind of where AFROTC falls short, um, honestly, just by design. But uh, having external resources, kind of like a third party, right? That you know, typically unbiased, um, having those made available to you can help you power through those relationships 
to give you an example, uh, my wife is down here. She's a social worker and she works for a special operations unit and they have embedded psychologists, social workers, therapists, uh, you name it. They're all within the unit and they make uh, they, they make constant communication with leadership, personnel in the unit and everything else in between uh, to try to help a lot of these different things, personal relationships, relationships within the unit, um, all kinds of things, right? And so uh, it doesn't necessarily go away. You just have more help. Um, if Afrati could figure out a way to try to mimic that, you know, at the cadet level, then I think that you could find, a, you know, a lot of help um, and, and hopefully come to a better solution. But, you know, as Cadet London said, it's kind of the nature of Afrati, right? It's, it's a place to learn and, and that's one of the learning points. So sure, it may be an issue, but it's it's also a building block to the solution eventually, so. I also think that's a pretty good point talking about it from the receiving end. I think a lot of the social tensions and issues, they come from, they come from everybody really, but you see it at the, the younger cat level where you're, you know, we all came in very immature. And that's how I was when I came in. And you don't really learn that sense of, oh, how do I act? How should I speak to people? What should I be like when I enter a room? Until you can really see it exemplified for yourself. So I think within an Afrata unit, those prior enlisted folks, the people that may be older, you know, they may be a little bit different than the rest of their peers. But I think that they're essential in order for an entire organization to round out, you know? It's kind of like when... You're trying to defrost some, you know, some meat that you pull out of the freezer. That that meat's not going to get to room temperature, and it's not going to, you know, be where you want it to be unless it's in the correct environment where it can be influenced properly. And that's why I think that a lot of the people who are going out there being high speed, you know, the Michael Felders, security forces, we'll probably talk to them at some point. You know, the the Wilsons, the Sizzles, like everybody that's out there doing the thing it's all come together and everybody's able to do what they do because we have, you know, guys like London and Mitchell who were able to, you know, maybe it, it could have been annoying for them on some days to sit down and talk to a 20 year old cadet and say like, Hey dude, you're, you're messing up big time and you, or you can't talk to people like that, or you can't act like that. I think those are, that's where prime building is made. And that's what has made step four great at some moments. Cool. Appreciate that. So um, with that, uh, I want to shift gears real quick and see if uh, Cadet Stevens out there, he's our GMCA, or at least one of them, uh, see if he has a GMCA related question for you guys. So they represent obviously the GMC. So uh, let's see what they have. Cadet Stevens, are you up? Absolutely, sir. Um, Yeah, this is to uh, both Lieutenant Mitchell and Lieutenant London. Just my main question is, and this kind of relates back to um, your time that you spent in Afrati, as well as the time that you spent like active duty. Um, my big question would be, um, now that you have commissioned, um, and kind of going back to like GMC, uh, you, G, um, GMC Cadet Mitchell, GMC Cadet London, um, is there anything that you would change or do differently uh, on your path to commissioning? Um, with the hindsight that you have now? You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I would change anything. Um, but one thing that I would definitely uh, like to harp on is time management. Um, and that's just 
really putting like emphasis on uh, you take, you know, as a GMC, you take a step back and really kind of look at the, look at the whole landscape and really find out what's important and really look at your goals and figure out what's going to get you um, to achieve your goals. So if you find yourself um, doing a lot of extracurricular activities um, that aren't really helping you uh, achieve your goals or they're not aligning you with the path that you need to be on, um, a lot of times, you know, you need to let stuff like that um, go to the side and really focus on stuff that's important. Um, But that's, that's probably the one thing that if I had to pick one thing, one piece of advice or you know, maybe, maybe something I change is definitely, uh, managing my time towards aligning myself with my goals a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to second that. Um, and and I'll just use my own example. So, you know, my, my first semester there as a GMC, I was, I was an AS250 and, um, and try to hit, you know, with the ground running, uh, while also trying to learn everything. Um, my first semester there, I felt like my time management was on point. And you can ask, you know, anybody in my in my graduating class, uh, I didn't really commit as much time to Afrati as some of my peers did, right? They would go to drill practices, they would be in the detachment a lot more. Uh, but for me, I had other priorities. Uh, not to say that Afrati wasn't one, it just wasn't that high of one to where I did all the extracurriculars. Um, and so to me, I, I tried to strike a balance that first semester. My second semester though, was my FTP semester. And this is where I saw uh, that I lost a little bit of my balance, right? I did shift a lot more time to AFOT. I did commit to try to go into more practices, right? And involve myself a lot more because that was the stressors that FTP semester placed on me, right? And I saw a lot of other things slip, right? I, I spent less time at home, spent less time in the gym, I spent less time doing homework and studying, and I saw the effects, right? Uh, my GPA had dipped to the lowest it had been during my time in AFRAT-D. Uh And so just to go back to, you know, what Cadet London was saying is time management, right? Understand what's important and what matters. A lot of the things that I did during FTP semester uh, that I felt were improving me, I, I actually didn't have to do. Um, they they kind of they derailed me away from what was important. And so if I would have got a poor GPA, you know, during that time, if I would have got like a 2.0 or a 2.5, that would have took me off of the main track, right? And that's to, you know, become POC right after FTP and ultimately commission. Um, so it's, again, just striking a balance like Cadet London said and making sure that you have your priorities straight. And AFROT, the priority is the commission, 100%. Honor the Air Society and Silver Wings and all the extracurriculars, those are all cool. No doubt about it, you're gonna make some great connections, but don't lose sight of what you're here for. That's to commission. Perfect. Thanks, sir. LT London, what you got? You got anything to add, or did he hit the nail on the head? No, I think Lieutenant Mitchell stays hitting the nail on the head. Um, No, and I third everything that he says. Um, That's probably the biggest thing. If I had to give one piece of advice, it's just really do some self-reflection during your GMC years. Um, I think that's that's the time to do it, um, because that's that's right before you get that golden ticket to go to uh, field training and everything kind of accelerates after that, um, after field training. But your GMC years, that's when you need to do uh, self-reflection, really think about where you want to go, what you want to do, who you want to be. 
um, and figure out how to best set yourself up uh, to get there. Okay. All right, cool. So, yeah, so go ahead and shifting gears here one more time. So um, a big one, a big one, uh, applicability is, is, as I have taught you all, like that's what matters. I, uh, we show you theory all day long, but how does this apply to the actual, uh, the real deal battlefield? All right. So the biggest thing, and I think the, one of the most impactful questions I'm going to ask is, is coming up right here. Okay. So what Air Force ROTC milestones or objectives that you had to satisfy, you know, like applied immediately apply, like once you crossed over as a CGO, was, was there any milestones? Were there any objectives that you guys satisfied in ROTC that was just like, bam, whoa, whoa. Like, th- I learned this straight from ROTC. Man, that, that set me up all day. Were there any lessons, uh, milestones, or objectives that you learned over there in Air Force ROTC that applied to you right away or at some other time up to this point? The biggest, you know, milestone I had is actually not – you know, anything that's going to be found on a, on a piece of paper per se, right. It's not objective 2.11, you know, march this way or, or 3.99, you know, march that way. It's, it's nothing like that. Um, my time as a flight commander actually served the, the, the biggest benefit. Um, and that's because of, of what's expected of you as a, as a flight commander. Uh, my flight was consisted of 13 people and uh, they all had their array of personalities and issues and, and things that they were dealing with, right? But they all had one common goal and they wanted to commission. And so, um, you know, as a flight commander, you, you had to deal with all that kinds of stuff. You had to have the soft skills, which I think is the number one thing, you know, coming out of ROTC that I developed, but you had to have the soft skills to work with them. Um, you had to have the hard skills to be honest with them. This is what ROTC wants us to do. And so we're gonna hit it and we're gonna hit it hard. Um, and then you just had to be a good person, right? And a lot of the things that I learned as flight commander have transitioned onto the active duty side. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I feel like athletes we can do a lot, a lot better with preparing our future officers. Uh, but as a flight commander, right, that that was where I took away a lot of different things uh, that I that I still use today. Um, just knowing how to speak to people, learning how to work through people's problems. Uh, managing people, those things are real, right? And those are the things that you're going to take away. Um, you can get in in a lot of different positions within the cadet wing, uh, flight commander, wing commander, group commander, squadron commanders, whatever it is. But any position that you actually have to work with people, uh, you're going to be able to take those things away. And they are going to apply every single day once you get on active duty, whether you lead one person or 100 people, uh, they, they're going to matter. Yeah, no, I, th- I think um, as soon as as soon as I got ha- out here on active duty, um, I was already getting assigned uh, certain tasks and things like that. Um, and one thing, kind of how uh, Lieutenant M- Mitchell mentioned, um, my biggest growing phase um, was definitely as a flight commander in uh, ROTC, uh, mainly because already the, the three things that I see here um, that I could relate back to ROTC um, being humble, credible, and approachable. I think those three things that I learned as a flight commander um, helped me as soon as I stepped foot on this base here, especially dealing with um, a lot of the enlisted, like the staff sergeants and senior airmen and uh, A1Cs. Um, just being able to, you know, think back at my ROTC time and all the feedback sessions and 
when there was all these uh, team team dynamics and everything was just going all all over the place and crazy and everybody, you know, the flight was just storming. Um, knowing that you have to be that approachable person, that people that, you know, they need to be able to walk up to you with absolutely anything on their mind. Um, that has definitely been something that I can already see has transferred uh, 100% to active duty side. Um, and also just being that humble person uh, that, I, you know, I try to be as much as possible every day. It's, you know, that's not a journey that ends, you know, that's something that we all uh, try to try to become and try to better ourselves in. Um, but, you know, just being cognizant of that and putting yourself in the best position to be that approachable, credible and humble person, um, I think is, has transferred. It's something that, that transfers directly to active duty. Cool, man. I appreciate you LT uh, dropping that, dropping that knowledge on, on, on these folks. So, uh, as we wrap this thing up, we got one more question for you guys. Again, another hard hitter, uh, especially for those who are, are, are lost you know, in, in the process, right? I'm sure you guys have moments where, man, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what the purpose of these things are, what I'm, what I'm doing here. Am I even doing right? Uh, I'm sure you guys had your, 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 your heavy gravity moments and you, you know, you hit a brick wall, you were about to hit one and you barely jumped over it. Um, I know there's a series of, of GMC cadets, especially FTP uh, right now that are kind of hitting that same funk that you guys hit. I know you hit it. Um, what advice would you give to those cadets who are lost in the transformation process? Cause that's what it is. A transformation process. Uh, they can't understand why even with a purpose, should they focus on accomplishing the basics of, of air force ROTC or just, um, you know, just growing up in general. So, uh, for those who are just kind of lost, what advice would you drop to them so they can, you know, kind of reflect on that and maybe be able to get the right, um, in mental state to uh, carry on and use that resiliency. You want me to go first? Um, so I would say, um, and and this is something that definitely it took me some time as a ROTC cadet to learn as well. Because when I first entered the program, coming from the enlisted side, um, you know, dealing with like the giant age gap and everything, I felt like almost I was taking a step back in a way, not in progression, but more so just like environment. Um, and so I had to, I had to rewire myself and I'm sure Lieutenant Mitchell went through the same thing. Um, and you really have to focus on fundamentals and go back to, um, you know, really emphasizing that every, every little bit matters, you know, and really realizing that you, you're not going to be able to get to do the big things in life. Uh, which the Air Force on active duty side, they have a whole bunch of big things. You know, you want to fly jets, fly helicopters, you want to be an engineer and work on all kinds of uh, crazy, innovative um, ideas and things like that. Um, you have to be able to, you know, you have to execute that right haste, that left haste, you know, you have to be able to march. Um, and that, that's where it all begins. Um, and that's that's why I think ROTC is so effective is because I think it builds it builds that mindset of, you know, you really need to come to that point where you realize that every little bit matters in the, in the grand scheme of things. It might not matter that much in the moment, but when you take a step back and you realize you kind of see who you want to become and where that fits into the picture, um, it definitely fits into the picture. Uh, Mitchell. Yeah, I second absolutely everything that, uh, Cadet London just said, um, 
you know, for me, it's just um, looking a little bit deeper uh, than what is actually happening, right? Um, you may, like I said earlier, you may feel that, you know, doing drill is it's not worth it, right? Maybe we need, you know, to do, you know, more leadership group activities, scenarios, things like that. Uh, but just understand that everything has a deeper meaning as to, you know, why you're doing it. And it's, it's there for a reason. Um, which points me to my next thing is just to focus on what positives you can take away from everything. Uh, you can learn something out of everything. That was something that I had to deal with. I know Cadet London had to deal with where we felt like, you know, maybe we took a step back from being on active duty to now going back into a training environment. Um, but you really can take a lot of great things, uh, even if you feel like your training is inadequate or, or, or not worth it. Uh, as Cadet London said, fundamentals are super important, and that's just basically what it is. You're building up your fundamentals. Um, another big thing uh, is that your discipline now will pay dividends later, right? And so how you conduct yourself and carry yourself in the moment, right, will absolutely matter when it's time for you to really put on that butter bar and go be a leader in the Air Force. Um, my biggest mentor that I follow with right now, and, and you know, this, this kind of drives everything I have, is that things don't get easier. Uh, that, that, that's really what it is, right? And you're gonna, you're gonna get flooded with all different kinds of things. I know my brand new POC cadets over at uh, Afro T, they're, they're dealing with that right now. They're getting flooded with a bunch of stuff. And sometimes they may feel like their head is underwater, but the following semester, you're gonna get a little bit better at, at dealing with that kind of stuff. It's, it's gonna keep piling on, but you're gonna get better and better and better. Eventually when you guys get on active duty, you're gonna be leaders and you're gonna have a lot of different things thrown your way again and you're going to feel like you're underwater again, but you will get better as time progresses. Right. And, um, so on and so forth. And that's just, that's just not for, you know, Afro team air force, but just really just anything in life in general, you guys are going to have kids. You're going to get better at handling that. It's going to suck at first, but you'll get better. Um, just keep turning, keep being disciplined and remain focused. Um, and at the end it all worked out. Well, cool. Well, I appreciate you guys keeping it real, LTs. I'm I'm hoping that somebody hears you guys out that that's just kind of in that that state and they just kind of use that to to pick themselves up because this stuff is temporary. When you look back, it'll it'll it won't even look like you were in a fire, right? And I, I try to tell them that every time, like, yeah, you're going through it. You go through uh, this thing that's rot and yeah, it burns. Nobody says it was gonna be it wasn't gonna be uncomfortably hot, right? It's it's even hot for the cadre sometimes, right? It, as we try and work through some, uh, all these issues. Again, we got 140 cadets. I got 145. Every one of them is different. Everybody has something different. Nobody can tell me that it ain't burning up in here. It's hot in here. So, uh, it, it, I know if it's hot for you, uh, they, they need to realize that it's hot for everyone. So, um, but everybody's mission is different and we get into this, this journey here. Um, you know, that is, you know, our, our experience, um, but I, I'm hoping that the, the knowledge that you guys drop lets them know, hey, these people made it and they went through some things. Uh, they had some gravity. They had some pressures. Right. They had some moments where they, you know, they, they fell. Right. But they got up again and, and picked up um, and, and you can always make it. This program is designed for you to make it is not designed for you to fail. All you got to do is, you know, hit the milestones, deal with the resiliency, show some show some strength. And, and handle it accordingly uh and, and you will most likely make it if you hit the milestone that, milestones that you're supposed to hit so i think what you guys have said complements what the cadre has been saying 
um, and, and, and lets them know, hey, the grass is greener on the other side. Should you make it? You just got to make it. Once you make it, you have all the skills that you need to be successful as a lieutenant. Right. There's still a lot to learn. But as a lieutenant, you got all these basics, right, that you question, all these things that you question. Why are we doing this? Because you need it right away. You start using them right away. Time management, you start using We talked about that. We talked about a few other different things that you guys brought up that you use right away. So I, I want to thank you guys for, uh, you know, kind of spinning, putting us up on the game, spinning us up on how things have been um, in your experiences already. Um. With that, uh, we're going to go around the table, see if there's any, any, uh, anything anybody has to say. Wade, what you got? I want to really talk about But, all right, gents. Uh, I want to end it off on a sweet note. So, as you guys look forward, and there's a vast road ahead, as you look back and you think of that one thing from your college years that makes you smile, your college ROTC years, what is it? I'm curious. Honestly, just um, not like one one exact uh, situation, but just being able to be like, yeah, just being able to be myself and goofy with everybody, you know, especially during like PT sessions when energy is at its highest, you know, and it's like first thing in the morning and you got like half the, yeah, yeah, I was like revving up the diesel, man. And, you know, half, half the people, you know, they're still, they're still waking up the little poopy pants. Then you got the other half of the people, um, that are all hyped and jacked up and ready to get after it. So it just makes for a really, uh, funny environment. Um, and I think just an overall good time, man. I think that's, that's probably the one thing that I miss. I agree. Good times. Mitch. Yeah. So I was talking about this the other day with, with like at work. Uh, I actually, I enjoyed my time at ROTC and, and I really liked working with, with everybody, right? Uh, and just connecting with, with a younger crowd, which, which was real cool. It, uh, it made me feel young. That sounds crazy to say. Um, but <laughs> I, I really, I really enjoyed, you know, working with everybody. For everybody don't know, I'm 30 right now, so I'm, I'm pretty ancient compared to some of y'all. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good time, um, you know, for all the ups and downs and trials and tribulations. Um, you guys were, everybody was great. Um, I still talked to a couple of cadets here and there, and, and I'm sure that I'm going to see uh, a gang of you guys when you actually commission, uh, you know, oh, yeah. the, the Air Force right. is, yeah, the Air Force is small and, you know, the officer corps is even smaller. So, you know, just because out, somebody's outside of your career field doesn't mean you won't see them. I, I work with all kinds of people every day. Uh, I've seen so many people from field training already. It's crazy. So, um, yeah. But but just to backtrack, yeah, Rotsi Rotsi was cool, you know, for, for all it was, it was fun. Uh, I definitely liked PT with London. Uh, it was it was a good time. We was always trying to rev it up, trying to bring the energy, uh, just as you know, so many other people were too. So, uh, hats off to you guys. And I, uh, I, I honestly, I, I, I say I miss I miss ROTC in a lot of different ways. So, good time. Yeah, enjoy it for well, sure. Yeah, absolutely enjoy it. Well, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Gents. So again, we appreciate you guys coming through. Hey man, looking forward to seeing you guys on the actual show when we go ripping and running, talk about some of these issues that's going on with the air force right now and how you guys feel about them. All right. We can get rid of all the formalities out there and just go and have a conversation about some, some craziness that uh, that's coming up. So uh, we'll see you guys in a, in a bit. 
um when we actually do the the full-blown show but man again we appreciate y'all you know chilling with us we know you guys got a lot of things to do out there on the other side so we, we really um uh really appreciate you guys coming just chilling with us for a little bit and dropping some information on the on the cadet wing and, and not forgetting you know that that's where you guys uh kind of came from so uh with that being said okay we'll go ahead and sign off and we got we'll see you guys um on the next Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, everybody. Yo, yo. Thanks for having us, y'all. No. Calling all current AS300 and AS400 cadets. Available now is an ODT opportunity for TDY to one of the Air Force Global Strike Command studio locations. The dates will be from June 2nd through the 15th, 2024, and July 7th through the 20th, 2024. All inputs are due by close of business on February 29, 2024, for debt commander approval. Please view the sign-up sheet in the general announcements channel in our Slack. So what is this TDY? The Air Force Global Strike Command, AFGSC, summer program is an opportunity for soon-to-be striker second lieutenants to spend two weeks at one of the Air Force's major commands. Through this program, cadets will gain a better understanding of the AFGSC's mission through a three-week immersion into the command while experiencing a basic knowledge of Air Force base operations. It will additionally provide a basic understanding of why U.S. nuclear capabilities are necessary for Americans, our allies, and partner security. Eligibility requirements include being a U.S. citizen and an AS300 or 400 if on a five-year program, been assigned to 11X pilot, 12X CISO, 13N Nuclear Ops, 21M Missile Maintenance, or 31P Security Forces, or a support such as Finance, Personnel, Logistics, etc. AFSC. Note, we understand that some AS300s may not have received their AFSC by the nomination deadline. Regions should nominate cadets competing for one of the listed AFSCs. If a nominated cadet does not receive an eligible AFSC and still wants to attend, regions will contact DOT for coordination with AFGSC or provide a replacement with a cadet who is eligible. Additionally, you must have an educated secret clearance by the cutoff time, term and cumulative GPA of 3.0 or higher. For more information, please visit Canvas or contact Cadet Dudek.